Hey everybody, you are listening to the We Are Rising podcast, your source for all things rising and JMMA, news, features, reviews of fights, interviews, etc, etc. This is your host, Andrew Benjamin, and I am joined once again by my COVID-19 free co-host, Jay Christian Gary from Focus Fights. Hey y'all, how's everything going? And with us, we have a returning guest from WombatNews.com. We have Mark Q, who directed a new documentary uh, focusing on women's wrestling and the popularity and increasing amount of athletes in the sport. Girls Grappling and Grit is a new documentary that will soon be available uh, for all people to watch who are interested in wrestling, MMA, combat sports, etc., etc. And with us, we do have the director, Mark Q. Thank you so much for joining us, Mark, to talk about the movie. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you guys for, um, for giving your time. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's great to be able to, uh, to be able to highlight some of these girls because it's going to be very important in terms of where the future of the women's divisions are going to be in the next uh, five to six years. So, first question I have, what was the motivation to make a documentary on, uh, on women's wrestling in the United States? Um, you know, I mean, when I started Wombat Sports, I think my idea was to, to, to kind of concentrate on, you know, where women's combat sports as a whole was going to be going in the next few years. I mean, uh, at that at the time that uh, Wombat was going on, I, we were starting to get some really huge momentum going on in the women's divisions of mixed martial arts. And I wanted to explore where we're going to possibly getting some more of those girls coming in to, um, you know, make that transition over to mixed martial arts. Um, I did a um, documentary um, with, um, with Sylvie Bonitui uh, uh, Douglas uh, about um, her first hundred fights in Thailand, and I wanted to do a follow-up uh, piece on um, you know another sport, uh, and wound up uh, you know went up went up uh, wound up doing wrestling because at the time I was actually what maybe 70, 80 miles away from where they were starting a women's women's collegiate team. It's in the documentary. Um, so it was, a, it was a kind of one of those things where, you know, kind of that opportunity happened that I could start covering, I could start covering, you know, their first year. And then things, you know, I had all, all other, other resources as well at my disposal. And it was, a, you know, it was one of those things where everything kind of clicked together where, where I could do, you know, a whole documentary about the idea of this, you know, of this time where women, Girls are really getting involved in the sport, so it's mm-hmm. it's pretty interesting. So when I now, were, oh, oh sorry, Chris, go ahead. Down to, when it came down to trying to get footage on documenting this journey, this documentary, was it hard to get the footage or get the rights to you know show the footage in this documentary, or did you have to go through like several third parties? Well, um, the big thing was is that, um, first of all, I had to talk to the university, um, you know, and I said, I, I want to cover their first year. And, um, you know, at first, you know, they kind of wanted to know what direction I was going to take it, what things were I was going to cover. Um, and, you know, I kind of went straight forward with them. I said, you know, I'll, I'll uh, you know, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll basically be with the team being able to kind of almost be media for the team um, on site whenever they're, they're out in a couple of these tournaments. And then I will, um, I'll be more than happy to share that footage with you and the photos and whatever. So, um, and it being a really good relationship between me and the university. Um, the big thing was, is that I went to two tournaments, um, during the documentary. Um, the first was the, um, 
was the um, was a uh, was more of an invitational um, tournament for you know pretty much every wrestler, not just collegiates and all that. But um, I didn't get necessarily you know I didn't they I was had permission to be there covering it, but I didn't have necessarily have permission to to videotape because according to what I got in terms of the release. Um, Flow Grappling had the Flow um, Grappling had the uh, had the rights to any video that was shot on premises, which kind of sucked. So I ended up doing a lot of photos at that one. But I and didn't it really always, have it. Uh, it always sucks dealing with Flow Sports. Just ask Gabe Sapolsky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, so you know, so um, you know, the first, the first, the you know, the first one. I mean, I I, I didn't get much footage of. I got a lot of uh, photography and all that as well. Um, but, um, the second one, there was a loophole because, um, you know, they did, the WCWA championships were, um, going through flow, but the, uh, press pass that I got wasn't through them. It was through the university, um, where it was being hosted. So flow couldn't do anything about that because I, my, my press pass was through the university. So that's why there's a lot of footage in there from the, uh, from the uh, WCWA tournament um, in the documentary. So, um, in terms of that, um, that was the only really major complications. Everything else, um, I got archival footage and all that as well, was from the interviewers, and the interviewers were more than happy. Let me uh, let me share some of that. I did notice of- at the end you did uh, you did credit uh, that you did to give special thanks to Flo Grappling. So, were you able to eventually work something out with them, or was there um, something, some sort of agreement, or anything that you could talk about? Um, I think it was just, for me. It's just a courtesy because okay. they let me. They let me, um, you know, let me photograph on that one, and they were they were more than happy to. I mean, they you know they didn't do anything to me with the other with the other footage, you know, obviously. So it was just pretty much a courtesy um, for them to you know say you know thank you for for not suing me, <laughs> um, you know. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, but well, um, but we'll see how that goes. I mean. You know, I kind of hate when sometimes when when you know when they do that because it does it does affect some of the some of us that want to promote the sport because yeah. you know you know if you if you're gonna hog all that that all that all that footage and all that as well we're not gonna be able to promote the sport and get these get these get these ladies or the men for that matter very much coverage so yeah you know I, I kind of you know I kind of wish that some of these you know. Some of these media outlets would kind of lighten up. It's not like I'm I'm going to show a complete match, in terms of of, of um, everything, you know, especially because they're presenting what I was doing. So, um, but you know, yeah. Oh no, I, I said I the same that. thing about the about the grappling stuff. The grappling stuff is some of the stuff that like they should put out there instead of having behind like a egregious paywall. You know, there, there should be it shouldn't just be full grappling who has uh, the uh, a monopoly on it. Um, I've been exactly. You know, I mean. You know, and it's between them and NBC. I mean, those are the, those are the two big outlets for, yeah. for for wrestling. And you got to figure that if you want the sport to be any any bigger than it is, then you gotta you gotta consider other things. I mean, even the UFC considers that. I mean, they reach out to other sports outlets, and you know, they they kind of diversify their space. Yeah. Um, and a lot of sports do that. I mean, football's done that. Basketball's done that. Um, so I think it's, it's just important for that, that relationship to be there, especially just the media members, you know, to have that access. Of so, course. You know, so I'm, I'm hoping that, that, uh, flow kind of, you know, lessens a little bit in terms of being that sturgeon and, and, um, you know, saying that you can't use video or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm, you know, but like I said, I kind of had that loophole, which was nice in the, um, in the, um, 
in the in the second uh, second tournament that I went to, mm-hmm. where it wasn't through them, it was through the university. So the university was more than happy to let me let me use that footage. So, so oh, I want to put some context behind. Uh, uh, I guess my own what I've seen with uh, women's wrestling, girls wrestling uh, throughout the years. So back in high school, there was one woman, uh, one girl on the wrestling team. Uh, it was all men. It was all boys. And I don't know what it is now for my high school. I really don't care because I hate my high school. But, like, I remember it was a big deal. They're like, oh, my God, there's a woman on the wrestling team. There's a girl on the wrestling team. You know, it actually made, like, local sports, uh, news, uh, television. Oh, there's a woman on the wrestling team. Uh, and so, like, what what is the... I got kind of got an idea of how it is from the documentary, but like generally nationally in the United States, how is how are most schools with a burgeoning women's wrestling team? Are there still is it kind of like are are a lot still behind the times where it's just mostly just boys? Are is there are there other schools that are like oh no we have enough to have separate teams? Like what is the general what is it what is what is it generally right now? Would you say, Mark? Um, in terms of the high school, I think that we're not. We're not getting there yet. Um, you know, I think uh, gals like Jessica Lopez, who's, who's very heavily in the documentary, I mean, she's, you know, trying to get it so that we got a, a base before we head to the high school level, that then we can start seeing more of these more of these women's championships. I think that, you know, with the states, what's with, with, what, I said 25 states, I think, at the end of it. Um, because Was it 23? A, Was it 20? That number, that, what? Was it 23 or 25? 23. Yeah. Um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, that, that number every week grows. Um, it's, it's, it's crazy because when I started a documentary, there was maybe, what, 12 maybe states that were offering it. So it probably pretty much doubled um, in terms of where, you know, they have women, women separate women's championships on there. Um, there's certain states that haven't quite gotten enough yet, you know, to kind of get, get it going. I mean, they'll have like maybe two or three uh, women that are, are there, and they're not exactly the same size. It's very similar to what happened early on in the in the women's divisions of mixed martial arts, where you know there's some girls that may you know maybe be 115 pounds, and some girls that are 135 pounds, and they'll they'll figure out that you know one of the girls has to go up and weight or whatever. But um, but I think a lot of times right now, yeah, you'll get maybe one or two girls on the team, but I think. With the popularity growing as it is, we're going to have more girls have that opportunity to go and fight you know, to wrestle in high school. And, you know, we go into documentary about why that is, why, you know, these girls are wanting to wanting to take up the sport. Um, things have been kind of crazy in the past decade or so in terms of the growth of the sport. Um, you know, I, you mentioned back, back, you know, there was one girl on, your t- on, on a wrestling team on, on when you were growing up. Um, my team didn't have one, but the Crosstown, our Crosstown rivals did have a female on their team. Um, so, yeah, things are, you know, I think, you know, we're seeing a lot more teams maybe pick up one female or two females. And then depending on the state, you know, you're going to have a full-fledged team like, you know, the one I profiled on the, on the documentary where, you know, California does have full-fledged women's teams uh, going at it. So, you know, it's, it depends on the population, you know. You know, and, and you know, if you know, if the uh, if um, I guess society and the state decides that they want, you know, we're a little bit more accepting. But that's becoming more and more of a more and more of a thing uh, coming in the next couple of years. 
What about North versus now, South? Now, you say that when it comes to, you know, women's wrestling teams, especially in high school, that there's going to be like an influx to those growing in the next few years. But what about for sports like powerlifting and, you know, apparently more competitive sports like that? Well, what's kind of interesting about the documentary, and I can go into this probably well, I kind of go into it, I'm going to kind of go into it now a little bit more. I have a, a quote in there um, that I didn't use, but, you know, basically about a third of, a third of the girls that are, are about a third of the girls that are going into this sport um, are, are thinking about going to mixed martial arts. They, they see a kind of a, an end to it. You know, they see a kind of a, a goal to be able to be a, a mixed martial artist after all of this. A third of them take the sport just because they want to get to the next level. They want to be Olympic champions. And about the other third, um, you know, take up the sport, you know, go up to college, and then they say, I'm going to hang up my boots, say they're going to be a coach, or I'm going to go on to, um, you know, do other things besides it. You know, I'm not going to wrestle after college. But um, it's roughly about third, third, third. Um, with other competitive sports, I don't know if we, we have that, you know, have that mindset where, you know, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Um, you know, I, I, kind of the interesting thing with, with mixed martial arts, you know, over the past five years is a lot of a lot of women will, will, will take up mixed martial arts. They'll get to a point where they don't think that they can either do anything more or they feel like they're not getting anywhere. And then they'll leave and they'll take up like, um, uh, what do you call it? Um, uh, shoot, what's what's the name of that uh, that sport where they do a bunch of stuff? They throw stuff, they run. Um, um, uh, I can't remember the name of it. It's a isn't it like cross country or something? No, 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 no. Um, CrossFit. Oh. Um, yeah, you know, CrossFit. Take up CrossFit. You know, um, you know, I and mean, quite a few. I mean, quite a few. Um, quite a few have, have taken up uh, weightlifting or personal training or whatever, and then just haven't. In, uh, in mixed martial arts at all, but um, this sport is unique in the fact that it's that there is a kind of a gateway. Um, part of that's part of that is the due to the fact that I'm in mixed martial arts. Also, I go in, and we also go in the documentary. Um, Jess talks about this a lot. Um, is the fact that universities now, if they're starting a women's team, then they'll offer scholarships, and this gives an opportunity for a lot of these girls to uh, to take up scholarships. Um, I don't think there's very many uh, scholarships for powerlifting or anything like that, but you know, to be able to give a um, to give a um, a scholarship to wrestling is a, is an important thing. So yeah, there's quite a few other contributing factors that are going on in terms of that. One uh, of I'm curious to know. So what about like I, I guess the stereotype is that you know in the South they they there's so much about sports and all that stuff versus the north which is not so much i don't know how much that is true or not but i'm curious to know like what did you see going to all these different schools like a different approach from like you know oh a school that was like in in the midwest south versus a school that was up in the northeast approach to uh to women's wrestling that maybe uh that the more sports oriented uh southern uh, midwest school might be uh, more open than to the northeast or anything of that sort did you happen to notice well, um, not really, and, and really interesting you should mention that. One of the most dominant women's women's wrestling teams over the past five years has been King uh, King uh, King uh, University, yeah. which is out of Tennessee. Um, so they've, they've really had one of the most solid programs out there. Um, 
really, I think it's just, you know, we're getting to that point where kind of barriers are kind of being broken in terms of where, 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 where how females are being perceived. Um, and I think that's part of the reason. I don't think that the South's gonna, is having much of a, uh, much of a, um, much of a problem with a lot of these girls wanting to, to be on the, uh, you know, wrestling team. Um, there's been some problems with Texas, but that's just because now, now it's not because of that. There is a, that there's, there's women that are, that are, that are wrestling out in Texas. It's that, you know, we have a transgender person that is a male going to female and was forced into, into the uh, female division, which, didn't quite make sense. The the guy the uh, gal the gal was more than willing to go over to the men's side of things, but due to you know bureaucrats or whatever, you know. No, that, that's a whole different issue. Yeah, I don't want to. Issue. I, I remember that story. Every time that particular person won, the crowd booed. Yeah. yeah, you know, you know, and I feel bad because because it, it's it's not her fault, you know. Um, she, you know, she was more than willing to go over to the men's side of things and, and, and do it. It just happens that the um, the way that the regulations were, or whatever, didn't you know, didn't catch up. So, you know, um, that's, that's a whole other issue. Um, but just, just, you know, I think I think the nation's gotten to that point where, you know, you know, women are heading to the Olympics. They're 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 um, you know you know they're 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 winning gold for for, for the United States. That's kind of, you know, a huge hurdle that got uh, kind of, um, you know, that kind of uh, pushed it over the, over, uh, over the line a little bit, you know. And, and people like Sarah McMahon. Sarah McMahon's from, what, South Carolina, you know, and mm-hmm. she's yeah. won a silver medal, you know, so in the Olympics. So it's like, yeah, you know, so that that's, you know, I think the South is, is accepting it, starting to accept it, accept it more and more um, as the years go on. So actually, uh, that's one thing I want to talk about is just, because uh, I know you've included uh, footage of Tatiana Suarez, who who fought, who uh, wrestled in the Olympics, lost to uh, I believe it was Sayori Yoshida, and um, oh god, I can't remember the year it was. But um, one of the things I'm curious to know is uh, I don't know. Probably 2012, dude. Yeah, you're probably right, Christian. Um, 2012. Uh, I don't know if this is something that maybe you you want to tackle. I don't know. There's like a girls grappling grip part two or something, or kind of like a or. or a different thing, but what about how international women's wrestling is treated versus here in the United States? Was there anything that you were able to learn? Also, you know, just to mention as well, you did talk to a, a Japanese girl, uh, Yuri Yon- Yoneoka is the name? Um, uh, who I believe, I think she was from Japan. Um, do you, like, what was the impression that you could get, that you were able to get that, like, how women's wrestling internationally is treated versus here? Any difference? Is it treated with more respect? Anything that you could comment on that? I kind of wish that I had the budget to be able to go to Japan and just just to be able to cover their system because yeah. for those of people that don't know their system, they they are the most dominant women's wrestling team out there. They they win Olympic medals every single time. You you read that we read you read the Olympic medal count and you know a good you know a good um, you know. 70, 80 percent of those medals go to the Japanese team. Um, just talking to to, to uh, UVA um, about you know how the system was you know over in Japan versus here because I was interested. Um, you know, it's more of a um, it, it's it's it, it, it travels really great with the with the way that they do MMA over there as well. 
it's very a very much dojo system where you know it is very stringent. It's mm. a very stringent um, stringent um, you know regimen. And um, you, I was I was hoping to get to your EA's um, story a little bit more. Um, you know, it's a really nice side story. Um, you know, she was she was really depressed. Um, she went through the system. She was really talented. Um, and she decided, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to do wrestling anymore because she was so depressed. Um, and then, you know, one of her coaches, you know, you know, saw that, you know, she had really a lot of talent, but, you know, she was kind of wasting it, not doing it. Um, she was showing the article to about, you know, um, um, to the uh, University of Providence wanting a, uh, a Japanese wrestler there. And, um, you know, so she went over to there and she said it's a lot, you know, she felt a lot better coming over here to, um, you know, um, to being able to, you know, train a lot more, I won't say loosely, but a lot more um, friendly out here with a lot of the girls that were out here. So, um, you know, I think that, yeah, there's definitely a different style from what a Japanese, the Japanese do versus here. Um, like I said, they're a little bit more stringent. They're very more... Um, um, then out here where I think that you can be a little bit more creative and they're a little bit more supportive, a lot less comp competitive. I think it's more of a team format here where everybody's kind of in a, um, you know, sense of we're all, all into this together. Uh, there it's more, you know, you know, you know, we're, you know, we're, we're kind of, you know, building winners here. Yeah. So there's a difference. There's a difference between the two. I didn't really get into it in the documentary, but yeah, your race, uh, story was very interesting in terms of, where she was and you know like i said she was depressed for a while just because she didn't she didn't feel like that type of training was really getting what she wanted to do so but yeah, that was, was what i found that so surprised that she that she left basically her, she basically left her country to come train here and it's usually i don't i think for some reason i feel like it's the opposite i feel like people leave here to go train in japan at most i don't know like can't remember like the last time someone came from Japan to train here or something like, unless they like, you know, they they they, they moved their train camps or, or for whatever reason. But yeah, it, in her case, it was like she was just not happy, which was like I, I couldn't believe that. Actually, there's just quite a few um, Japanese wrestlers that have made their way over here, um, at least to to train a couple of um, you know a couple months here. But I know um, I'm trying to remember her name. She's out of Invicta. I shouldn't remember her name because she's always she's right now. She's over at uh, Mizuki. Mizuki Inoue is currently over at um, at Sarah's gym, Sarah Longa. Um, there's quite a few. Mm -hmm. And now Mizuki. Yeah. Now Mizuki, as Andrew knows by now, and you probably should too. She fights in the UFC. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> so I'm, I'm yeah, So yeah, Mizuki. Mizuki's over at Sarah Longa. Yeah. Well, from the, um, the, 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 the girl, the, 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 the students, the, uh, people who competed, was there, uh, if you had to pick one, which one do you think would probably be, you think we'll see in a, maybe a few years down the road in MMA anywhere, Invicta, USC, is there anyone that you could like point to um, like that one's going to be? A, yeah, there was a person that was not featured in the documentary. I do have an interview with her, but the, you know, I wasn't able to. I wasn't able to get the sound right. I might have to go back and, and do it again. But um, there's a gal named Julia Salata right now um, who is, you know, she was going to try out for the Olympics. Obviously, that got delayed until next year. Um, but I know I know Julia. Um, Julia's right now an assistant coach over um, at King's, uh, King's University. Um, 
but Julia is already preparing to make that transition over to mixed martial arts. Um, she's she has been wanting to do an amateur fight over the past you know couple years, but her, her opponents keep on falling through. Um, and I, for for you know for obvious reasons because she's probably one of the baddest ass you know takedown artists I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, so yeah, I mean I mean Julia's just. Uh, you know that that much of a badass that I think she's going to be making waves pretty soon. So um, she's going to try to get to make the Olympic team. If she can make the Olympic team, then after the Olympic team, she's going to make make transition to mixed martial arts. If she doesn't make the Olympic team, then that's going to be sooner rather than later. I she's already you. taking up Brazilian jiu-jitsu. She's already taking up striking. You know, and she's already looking for an amateur fight. So um, well, she was looking fight now she's you know in olympic training so that's different so mm-hmm. you know how that is um one of the things i also want to know is is so uh one of the people you interview is, is jessica philippus is that how you pass the last name philippus yes it is i mean she, she changed her name but i'm not even gonna dare try to try and her new name <laughs> uh she she i think she 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 um she married somebody from Eastern Europe, so it's one of those oh. very hard names. <laughs> <laughs> but one of but, the, she said something so interesting, and I and I wanted her to kind of expand upon it. Uh, but maybe you can, or maybe there was uh, something said off camera, or something uh, deleted that you can maybe talk about. She said something that wrestling is dying, and what 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 does she mean by that? I kind of figured that wrestling. I would say I think I thought that wrestling is kind of like it's kind of the opposite because we're seeing you know, all these women trying to get into wrestling. We're seeing you know you know possibly being you no. Know, I think this year the NCAA made moves to actually recognize the uh, women's wrestling as a NCAA division sport. So I I thought it was moving in the right direction, but she she's kind of said, implied that it's in the wrong direction. Do you know what she meant by wrestling is dying? Well, to be honest, Andrew, I think she probably might be saying, you know, the effort to save wrestling in the Olympics is dying. What's she trying to say? I, I, I don't think, no, no. Actually, um, what I think you're getting at was the fact that she was worried about where there's a balloon. She said a balloon effect. What's going on is, is that fact that as much as wrestling's growing in the high school level, it's not growing fast enough because the college level is going so is growing faster, and all these universities are wanting to get you know high schoolers signed to scholarships to go to fill up these these rosters. The problem is is that um, you know the high schools isn't isn't growing fast enough to to meet that demand, mm. and Jess wants you know was saying that. We need to start encouraging a lot more of these girls, you know, um, in the preteens to start taking up the sports so they can fill up the uh, high school rosters, which will start, you know, helping helping the college college thing. So we're kind of in a um, you're kind of in a bubble here where the colleges are, are actually actually having a lot more demand than what I think some of the high schools going to be able to fit. You know, um, there was a story um, I don't know if it made the documentary. She was. She had trained a uh, cheerleader to become a wrestler, and when she tra- trained this cheerleader to become a wrestler, after a year, or you know, basically after a year and a half, she did. She was a pretty kick-ass wrestler, by the way. Um, after a year and a half, you know, she was getting scholarship offers. You know, and that's that's you know, that was one of those things where yeah, the demand, the demand was just so much there that they wanted to have so many of these girls come up and 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 fill off their rosters. So. Her worry is, I think, the fact that, you know, yeah, that there's a there's a bubble going on in terms of where where um you know where the uh, 
college wants a lot more, a lot more women, but it's not growing as fast as a lot of these high schools are. So uh, okay. she's hoping that'll that'll settle over the next couple of years. But that was what she meant by. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, I understand. Um, I guess also another. Well, I mean, here's the thing. You made this documentary. I think it was 2019. So last year was it filmed? It was filmed in 20. What was it? 2017, 2018, I believe. Because oh. yeah. I did it for a year. I, I filmed for exactly a year. So once my year kind of came out, which is, you know, from that my first interview, was from my first interview with, with, with Providence, and then the last interview I did with, with Providence was in exactly a year. Gotcha. So, um, so yeah, it was over one year between um, the fall of 2017 to the fall of 2018. Gotcha. So, um, so yeah, so that was the, that was the um, expanse on that as well. I so, want to put this... Uh, sports in the current context of coronavirus with colleges, high schools, seemingly a lot, a lot of them shutting down, not operating, possibly throughout the entire year. What do you think this will have? And obviously the Olympics, not, uh, not uh, uh, going to be operating, which you, oh, we've talked about a little bit before. Do you th- what do you think this will do for like sports? Not to even just re- women's wrestling, but also all the sports. Will this... Could this, you know, could, you know, people are talking about colleges going online only. I can't see colleges going online only because that's going to affect, you know, what are you going to do with all the athletes? You know, you can't have, you can't do football by, by online. So I want to know, what do you think the current, the current state that we're in, how that will affect uh, sports going forward at the college and high school level? In terms of wrestling, it's a very unique position because it is a person-on-person sport versus mm-hmm. a team sport. Uh, football, I have no idea how that's going to going to run. I mean, obviously, going to find a way of doing that. Same thing with basketball. Um, with wrestling, I mean, it's a lot easier to you know put in those protocols like what the UFC is doing right now. Um, you know, in terms of you know testing and making sure everybody is healthy um, before you know heading to the mats or whatever. I mean, I think wrestling was basically the last sport to shut down before you know before everything. Because they were, they were the, they were defiant. They were like, nope, we're not going to shut down until you, you know, kind of demand us to shut down. Um, so they were kind of the last collegiate sport to say, you know, this, they finally shut down. Um, yeah, a lot of them were just, you know, so, you know, obviously a little bit pissed off because, you know, what's was going on, and they, they felt that they're tougher than 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 the virus and all that as well. But um, I think that it's, it's just a unique sport in that fact that, you know, like I said, they can test. Um, they don't have to worry about, you know, a full, a full stadium or empty stadium or whatever. Oh, okay. I got, gotcha. I gotcha. Uh, one, uh, one, and one of the, the last big questions I have is, uh, women, uh, women's wrestling coaches. Um, I, I, one of the coaches you talked to Chris, Chris Lopez, um, uh, who's, uh, I forgot, I forgot the high school he's from, but he's a very well-decorated, uh, high school wrestling coach. Um, a uh, male wrestling coach. I'm just curious to know: Are we seeing a lot more women come into coaching positions now, or is that still kind of it's still kind of dominated by men? And is that could that be possibly a reason why maybe a lot of girls, women don't go into wrestling because there's no authority figure who is a woman that is that that is giving them the, uh, training on stuff. What do you think all about that? Well, um, you know, well, first of all, I want to mention that that uh, Chris Lopez is actually Tatiana Soros's older brother. Um, oh, okay. Uh, okay. I bought that. I didn't know that. I honestly did not know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
then, and then the, the, uh, the, uh, one of the gals that I interviewed was actually your sister, your younger sister. Um, so yeah, you, you know, they're, they're, they're just, they don't have the same last name because, uh, Tatiana's married. I forgot that. Yeah. So. She, yeah. She used to be Bedelia. Oh my God. I think you're fucking forgetting that. That she, that she, that was, she wasn't always Tatiana Suarez. Okay. I'm sorry. Go ahead. So yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, I thought that I got that, you know, all that because that was the reason why, um, you know, the team was started in the first place was because Tatiana, um, Tatiana was one of the only two girls yeah. that were there, and then Chris decided to, to start it. Um, Chris and his buddy decided to start it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, but to answer your question about about coaching, um, really, I mean, we haven't gotten that fact that we don't have as, as many, you know, as many uh, experienced women in terms of um, of coaching yet. Um, and Jess does go into Jess and um, Jess and um, and Sally go into this in the documentary. Is this fact that we haven't gotten there yet? We don't have enough women that are going to be able to to, to be able to head teams yet. Um, so it's going to be very. Uh, it's up to the male counterparts to kind of step up and want to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know, uh, Jess, you know, outlines it perfectly. She says, you know. Um, Train just like train 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 just like you trade the guys, but do it separately. Um, you know, um, and then Chris also talks about you know having the idea of you know having older girls on the team and to be able to have those girls kind of mentor some of these gals. And same thing with Jess. You know, having these these um, girls on the team help mentor some of these girls to um, go through any kind of women's issues they may have, and that way it's it's a lot more translated back to the coach. So. I think, I think that you know there are protocols in place right now. You know, with all the scandals going on, um, you know these girls are tough. You know, I, I don't think they'll 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 take a lot of, excuse my French, but they won't take a lot of shit. Um, so um, I think that for the time being, it's just going to have to be more males. I think it's going to have to if if, there, if there's going to be encouragement, it's going to be from the girls that are already participating. And they're they're the ones that are going to you know spread word of mouth. Hey, let's go ahead and you know you know try it out. You know it's it's a fun sport. You know you'll have a lot of fun. You know and all that as well. You gain a lot more confidence as well. So um, I think for now, I think that it's going to you know it can be a little bit of a struggle. We're going to have more female coaches coming eventually, but there are quite a few female coaches that were um, there on the college level that were um, that were doing uh, they're they're coaching the teams and all that as well uh-huh. and. Uh, on the high school level, I don't think we're going to have very many until, you know, they have solid teams like uh, Northview's team. Got aspects. you. Um, you know. So. Mm. Uh, and I know that your, your film was... Except- we can understand that, Mark, and we're sorry for the folks that actually had to listen to it. <laughs> sorry, Christian, what was that? Uh, uh, Mark, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Sorry, Christian, could you repeat that again? Yeah. We're sorry for the folks that actually had to listen to, to you curse. I mean, <laughs> even though this ain't a family show, we do want to at least reckon. I'm sure they'll forgive him. Uh, hear it. I'm sure <laughs> yeah, they'll forgive yeah. him. Yes, one isn't, isn't very bad, but, um, but that's, the best, that's the best term I can give just because he did the way that how tough these girls are. Um, but, um, but yeah, I so, apologize for it. I kind of said, excuse me for writing. No, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> so uh, one of the other aspects I want to also talk about, like outside documentary is that it got accepted to the Artemis Film Festival. And one of the things I want to know is like when, when this film was all done, ready in the can, did 
did you put out the other festivals? Did you, uh, what, what, what was the like distribution and all that stuff that, that was planned by, by you and the uh, team? Well, really just to, just to tell you the truth. I mean, I went to Artemis. Um, and then when I got to see it on Artemis, um, there were some technical issues when I submitted to Artemis and they were like, you know, you know, um, you know, you know, when I, when I submitted and they said, we're going to show it, but I, you have to, you know, fix some things. So I ended up going back and taking one weekend just to fix a bunch of stuff that was wrong with it. Um, I brought it to Artemis, watched it on screen, and there was quite a few things that needed to be updated. So it was a situation where, you know, when, after it went to Artemis, it kind of sat in the can for a little while because other things were going on at the moment. Um, you know, and then it came to that fact that when, when this happened, when the COVID happened, um, you know, I was out of work, um, and like a lot of people. And it was an opportunity for me to get this, uh, the, the corrections done on the, uh, on the project as well as update a lot of the information because, like I said, I did this, um, um, I ended up editing at the end of 2018, uh, re edited it right at the beginning of 2019. And then that, since that year, so much information has changed. Um, the NCAA made an emerging sport, which was something that they were pressing in the documentary. Um, there's a lot more states, like I said, that ended up uh, actually having girls championships as well. Um, so yeah, there's quite a quite a few um, things that have been that went on over that like one year. I mean, the year that I I, I did the documentary, there was a lot of stuff going on. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of stuff in terms of campaigning to do that. The NCAA was finally getting their tournament, um, you know, you know, separate tournament versus what the WCWA was which was an important step because the NCAA is something different. Um, and then um, in the, in the AIA, I take that back. The NAIA was doing a tournament um, the next year. So that was a huge update. NAIA is a little bit more independent than what the NCAA is. The NCAA is emerging sports status. So, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that kind of went on um, for the past year. So, um, it, you know, I just went back um, this past couple of weeks just to update update that information uh, in terms of that. It gets some edits, edit, must need editing done um, to get, make sure that the documentary is good enough to, to distribution. So um, right now, I mean, um, we'll be posting, uh, I'll be posting a link on wabatsports.com of how you guys can watch it. Um, the current the current status is, is that um, the first thousand downloads are just going to be for me to, to, to offset any costs because obviously it costs me a lot to travel and, you know, you know, be able to uh, cover a lot of these events and uh, be able to interview all these people from across the United States. Uh, but after that thousand, I'm happy to announce that after I get to that thousand views, uh, part of the proceeds of the rest of it is going to be going to uh, Beat the Streets, who is featured in the documentary, also uh, Wrestle Like a Girl, which is also featured in the uh, documentary. So yeah, I was actually I was going to be my last question, like what, what, uh, how are you going to plan to distribute it? How can people see it? Uh, how much is it gonna cost? Yeah, just uh, want to give all that all, all that information right now. Yeah, uh, the cost. Yeah, the cost is only gonna be five dollars, which is which is which is reasonable, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, um, during everything, um, you know, I've been getting really good reviews from a lot of people already. You know, I've already given preview copies to. Um, and you know, I mean, five except five dollars is a really reasonable thing, and it's 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 really reasonable for me to to, to offer that. And and really, I mean, you know, I think. Um, it's gonna be on Vimeo, by the way, um, and there'll be special there'll be special instructions on how you can can watch it um, on Um I'm gonna do a, sim a 
a little different way than what um, you know what traditionally is, and you'll see when when you go on the website, it'll be explained. But um, but yeah, um, you know, I think that I really hope it does get to a very diverse audience. I know a lot of times when a documentary is on a certain subject, that people will float right to that documentary. Um, like I mean, a lot of the wrestlers are probably going to be floating to that documentary just to watch, but. I really hope some of the um, mixed martial arts fans kind of kind of float over there too to see where the future of this sport's going to hold. I mean, a lot of these girls are going to you know, think about making that transition over to mixed martial arts, and in the next in the next four or five years, we could be seeing an influx of wrestlers like Tatiana uh, Suarez and, and Carla Esparza, and you know, um, quite a few of them that are going to make that transition over to mixed martial arts. We're not seeing that very much over in Japan, I think. Uh, to go back to your, your question on, on that as well, um, in Japan, I mean, their wrestlers are paid. You know, they're they're paid to train for the Olympics or World Championships and all that as well. So a lot of these girls aren't making the transition to mixed martial arts. You're getting you're getting paid very well to become wrestlers. And once they become, they're done with the wrestling career, then you know, then they're usually too old to go into mixed martial arts. So because I was always interested in knowing why some of these some of these Japanese wrestlers don't make the transition over and simple fact is, is that they're making better money doing wrestling than they are uh, mixed martial arts and here I see quite the opposite you know they're making a lot more money doing mixed martial arts than they are um, doing wrestling so it's kind of weird I was going to say get... to be honest oh. you can never be too old to do MMA and still be recognized as a legitimate a legitimate wrestler just ask Miyu Yamamoto who's doing it at 45 yeah, I mean, here in, here, in, uh, here in the States, you know, it, it doesn't fly as much. And, you know, I've, I have something in the back. I've got a lot, a lot, I've got something kind of, I have, I have that I have never written, but I've got all the research done on it. Um, talking a little bit about age, because I think sometimes people, you know, there's a little bit of ageism here, especially in the United States, because the um, commissions after 36, you have to have a certain amount of tests to be done to, to make sure that your faculties are in order or you're, you're physically well. I think 36 is way too young for that to happen. I think age maybe 45, 46 would be more of a, more of a um, place where you could possibly do that because women, as women especially, I think women have, you know, don't fight as much off, as often as a lot of the guys do. Um, and now, especially, you know, especially true of, um, you know, back in the day, I mean, uh, you know, because there was, wasn't as many, many female fights out there and there wasn't as much availability. So I think that age isn't, shouldn't be, shouldn't be as more important as what the record is or how many fights they've had or whatever. So, um, just on a side note, yeah, I think that, you know, I've, I've known, I've known MMA fighters that have fought as old as 52, you know, um, 52, 53, and they were really, they were perfectly great. They were awesome. Um, you know, um, a lot of people kind of, you know, dismiss. Oh, ooh, it's a grandma. It's a grandma that's that's uh, that's uh, that's fighting and all that as well. But some of them are really kick ass. They're really good shape. So, you know, I kind of, I do kind of, you know, I kind of take, uh, um, I kind of, I take insult to that. Sometimes because you know some of these some of these some of these women are very strong. They're very fit. Um, they have their faculties in order, you know. And some of these gals may have not have fought as much, 
in the early race. So, you know, CTE isn't a factor, you know, so I do have that. I do have issue with that. I think Miyu is a prime example of that. There's quite a few. Uh, Emmy Fujino, I think, is what, 46, 47? And she's still kicking ass. Um, so, yeah, there's, you know, I do take uh, umbrage in, in saying that. But um, I think in Japan, I think if you're a wrestler and you, you make it to your, you know, they get to your 40s and all that as well, you're still pretty much well paid. Um, you know, if you if you won an Olympic medal, you know, um, that uh, you're pretty much probably pretty much set for life. So, um, or world championship for that matter. So, I Oh, sorry, I just want to mention that one of the people who you interviewed in the documentary, Danielle Hobeka, yeah. she had two amateur fights in her 30s. She's 41 now. So she, you know, uh, and she's 2-0, by the way. She's 2-0 in, in amateur. So listen, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. What's the funny thing about the, the, the MMA fighters that, um, that I've um, interviewed in the documentary, um, um, Jess is now concentrating on grappling and her team, so she doesn't have any time to do MMA anymore. But she's still doing like grappling tournaments and all that as well, wrestling and all that. She's still preferring her wrestling career. Um, Danielle was having problems with her back, so she she retired from being mixed martial arts. She did, and so she's uh, you know doing other things. Um, and um, we were just talking before we went on the air about um, about Kyra Batara. Um, you know, um, Kyra, I think is going the professional wrestling route, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I was just by reading a lot of her tweets and what's going on. Her, 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 um, her, uh, current beau, I believe is a professional wrestler. Um, she's had a couple of professional well, wrestling Well, I mean, fights. to be honest, she's competed for future stars of wrestling out in Vegas. So she found the right calling, I guess. <laughs> exactly. You know, I mean, as far as I know, she's not, she's not doing much martial arts anymore. I don't know if that's not necessary. Sorry, wrong or anything like that. I was telling, I was saying that you know it would be it would be nice to see her over at Ryzen just the fact by the by the fact that um, you know she her weight is is right right at the super atom weight division. I believe she had fought over in Japan if I'm not if I'm not mistaken at least once. So yeah, she's fought in Ryzen. Why hasn't she answered? Yeah, she uh, unfortunately her her first her only fight in Ryzen was against Kanako Murata, which. Uh, I think that was that may have been one oh not they may have done a catchway with that like one ten one eleven. I mean, but here's the thing: you you fought Kanaka Murata in your first fight. That's not the easiest fight to come in. Uh, yeah, you're talking about you're talking about the world champion. You yeah, know, over in Invicta, you know. So yeah. Um, but uh, she did go in. Uh, you did uh, mention also that she was undefeated in in uh, not Invicta in Combate America. So. I mean, you know, she she was she you know she just had one bad one bad fight in Japan. I remember that fight, and she was at she yeah. was out muscled or out strength by uh, Murata. I mean, yeah, Murata is the champion in Invicta. What are you gonna do? Some... Exactly. You know, I mean, I kind of wish she was still around. I mean, I you know, I think what happened was, like I said, the fact that you know, um, Kabate's, I think didn't like that she was not she was not making weight necessarily. You mm. know, in a couple of her fights, so. They were getting kind of frustrated with her on that, um, and she's too small to go up to 115. So it was one of those things where you know she was kind of caught between a rock and a hard place where she 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 couldn't quite make 105 anymore, but yet she can't. You know she's too small for 115. So you know it would have been nice you know for her to go to Ryzen, you know where that that you know it's possible for her to make weight and uh, be a competitive that way. But I don't know. I mean she may come back to mixed martial arts. I've 
had, you know, I've tried to, you know, reach out to her. I, you know, uh, to make sure that she was able to watch the documentary and all that as well. But I have yet to hear anything from her, from her end of things. So, um, so I don't know. We'll see. Mm -hmm. Uh, Christian, I want to throw off any last questions that you have uh, for Mark uh, about uh, women's MMA or the documentary that you have. Okay. I mean, the one question I do want to ask about women's MMA, do you think that in five to ten years' time, some of the folks that you documented on this documentary will end up becoming you know, big-time global stars, not just in women's MMA or women's professional wrestling, but in women's sports in general? Um, well, you, you had asked, you had the question, you asked the question earlier about, um, you know, who in the documentary I felt was going to mix martial arts. Well, besides Julia, who wasn't featured in there, but I, I do talk to Courtney Cordoza. I know Courtney, I knew Courtney since she was 12. Um, I mean, this is you know six, seven years ago. Um, she's been wanting to become a mixed martial artist, you know, since then. You know, this is a gal that, um, you know, when very few girls were ever thinking about one becoming a, a, a mixed martial arts fighter, she knew that she wanted to be, you know, back in the day. And this is a gal that, you know, has um, Cyborg and Misha at, on speed dial. So she can she can um, she can talk to them for any advice they, that she she may have, um, and you know she that's something that's been always in the back of her mind that she wants to become a martial artist. So um, you know she started in um, she started in uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, um, and then she went over to the wrestling portion of it, um, and she's kicking ass in the wrestling portion of it. She's won states twice since the documentary, um, and. You know, she, um, you know, I think she's a way ahead of the curve right now. I think what will probably end up happening with her is, is that she'll probably end up getting a scholarship somewhere. Um, she might do some amateurs during that scholarship, depending on what the uh, universities say. Some universities will say, yeah, you can, you can, you can do mixed martial arts outside the season. Some universities say absolutely not. It just depends on what the you know, university wants to, wants to say about that. Um, but, um, you know, she, yeah, she'll have happened. So I think she'll go, she'll go to college, she'll uh, kick ass in wrestling and then we'll, she'll take it from there. She'll either be, um, you know, going to the Olympic team or she'll go to mixed martial arts or she'll go to the Olympic team and then go to mixed martial arts. So Courtney, I think is in, in a very unique spot in the fact that she's, she's that, that kick ass. I mean, she started from, from really, I mean, when she was eight, nine years old. You know, wanting to compete in the mixed martial arts, she made the transition over to wrestling, but she still wants to become a mixed martial artist eventually. So, um, you know, I expect that within the next within the next four or five years, depending on what happens in terms of her career post college, that you know we could see her and then Victor really you know kicking some ass and making her way to the UFC maybe in her late twenties. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, so, yeah, any, any last uh, things you want to say about the documentary, Mark? Uh, anything that you want people to get from, from the documentary? Any last thoughts? The floor is yours. You know, I mean, I hope everybody kind of sees what's going on here in terms of where these women are. And I hope it encourages a lot of, of parents or, a lot, you know, a lot of, um, a lot of um, you, know, pe you know, people to consider, 
you know, taking their, 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 their daughters or taking their, um, you know, nieces or something like that into the sport of wrestling. I think, um, you know, Sally talks a lot about what people gain, what, what people gain from this sport. And I think that's very important. I think it's, you know, in the, in the way that everything's kind of going nowadays, it does really kind of show, you know, it does give women and girls confidence. It gives them, you know, it gives them that, um, you know, not to be afraid to, to be able to, what, what Sally said, own their space. Um, I think it, it helps in terms of being, you know, women supporting each other. Um, in terms of everything, I mean, it was kind of, you know, so a lot of these girls um, talk about self-confidence, talk about pride, and they talk about community a lot in this documentary as well. So I really hope that a lot of girls are encouraged by, you know, wanting to take up the sport. I think a lot of parents should be encouraged to take their girls uh, into the sport and to be able to be able to learn how to handle themselves in a situation. Um, I think, you know, way too many, way too many girls, um, you know, might, might get into the wrong crowd and all that as well. And People like Sally and people like Jess were those type of girls where they're getting to, you know, get into trouble or, or, or get into uh, get into that that situation where, you know, um, I guess Sally calls that feisty. These girls get a little feisty. They get a little bit more, you know, they have a lot of energy and they uh, are very angry, I guess. But this kind of gives them a focus in order to, to kind of, you know, focus that, uh, you know, focus that energy into a positive direction. So I really hope. Um, if anything, this gives an example to a lot of girls and a lot of parents that, you know, this is a, this is a sport that, you know, that could really change a person's life. And, you know, I think that's, that's, I think the biggest thing I think hopefully, uh, some people take away from it. Yes. And, um, uh, I just like to say, I enjoyed the documentary a lot. Uh, I also like that it's short. Too many goddamn movies are long nowadays. And it was a nice one hour long, a nice, I think a nice length. So, you know, if you don't, if, you know, there's not some two-hour boring documentary of Ken Burns of talking heads and all that stuff, okay? So, if you like wrestling, if you like MMA, I definitely highly recommend it. And, yeah, you know, uh, uh, people can uh, get it, you said, on WombatSports.com and also Vimeo, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Go to WombatSports.com. I'll have all the information there about how you can watch it. Great, great. And it's only $5, which is less than a cup of coffee, uh, especially here in New York, which costs ten dollars just to, uh, and that's and that's without milk. So you know, hey, you're getting five dollars. You're getting bang for your buck for for this movie. Um, and again, Mark, thank you so right. much for talking to us. Right. And um, Mark, is there any way that people can get in contact with you, whether it be about the movie or otherwise? Um, you know, best ways Twitter. Um, my my personal Twitter is at WMMA News. Um, you guys check that out as well. Um, we're also on Walmart Sports on Twitter if um, you want to check out some of our articles as well. I just uh, a couple weeks ago published the um, the stats, uh, some stats for the uh, um, for the women's mixed martial arts. Um, you know, kind of going down some of the numbers of how this year was, which was a really kind of an epic year. I also did a podcast for Senko. Uh, kind of breaking those numbers down as well. I still need to get those numbers to you guys, by the way, um, about the, uh, the the Asian countries as well, mm-hmm. um, kind of breaking those down as well. So I'll have to get those out to you within the next week or so um, so you guys can discuss those. Understood. And one more question about Laura Sanko. Did you hear that she wanted to become – Do you did you hear that she wants to become the first ever full-time commentator – for the U, the first ever women's full-time commentator for the UFC. 
I think she's doing a kick-ass job over in Victor right now, and I, I, I have no doubt in my mind she can do it. Um, you know, she comes from, from she comes from a fighting background. She's fought for Invicta before. Um, I think that she'll do a great job as a commentator. So I think that they should give her a shot. I, I, I have I have no no doubt in my mind that she'll kick some ass on there as well. I mean, Misha wanted to do it too. I mean, she wanted to become a full time commentator for the UFC, but um, never got that opportunity, and she ended up taking that job for one. But um, but I think Lauren. What about Billy Kent? What about Julie Kenzie, though? I think Julie's perfectly happy going with Invicta. She has a lot of other things going on. Um, she um, currently is working. Um, she currently she's working her on her masters right now in the um, in college. So she doesn't have as much time to go and dedicate to the USC. So that's probably one of the, one of the one of the major reasons why she's she wouldn't you know she wouldn't pursue that. Um, there's other things going on as well, but. Um, I think Julie's perfectly happy where she is, um, you know. And Ooh. where she is, um, balancing between Invicta, doing commentary there, and doing her stuff with the uh, with her university and her master's degree. So um, I think that you know that Laura, I think, is would do a kick-ass job doing commentary. I'm interested to see if they'll give her a shot. Uh, I really hope that they do. Let's see. Great, great. But, uh, yeah, uh, Mark, uh, we want to thank you once again for talking to us uh, about your movie. Uh, we hope that uh, people will watch it and, and get a lot out of it, maybe inspire some peop some of the female watchers to go into wrestling. Who knows? Um, or, tell you know, if you never attended a wrestling, a collegiate wrestling show or well, high school wrestling show, go ahead. You know, there's a lot of fun uh, when things get better, I'll say. Um, and we can do that. But uh, yeah, we uh, thank you again, and we we wish you the best, and you know, keep on doing what you're doing for women's MMA. You know, thank you for uh, for just all that work you do in that on that section of the uh, of the sport. Yeah, thank you guys for for having me on, and um, you know, keep doing what you guys are doing, and I, I really look forward to hopefully um, hopefully Japan Japan recovers quickly, and we get some some uh, mixed martial arts going on there as well, and obviously. You know, watch the women, the Japanese women's wrestling team. They're some of the, the best in the world. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, you know, once they're once they're back up and running, and uh, see what's going on. And next year's Olympics is going to be, you know, kick ass. And, and make sure you guys watch the uh, the women's uh, portion of it as well. There's some really kick ass uh, women that are part of it. Oh, we definitely will be, and uh, we wish you the best. Yeah, and uh, uh, we wish you the best. And you know, good luck on this documentary getting it out to a widespread audience because I hope that people will enjoy it because I know I am after, you know, you talked about it, but still, I hope that people enjoy this documentary for what it is instead of thinking about what it should be. Uh, it's just a lot of information I think people will get from it um, and a lot of, um, a lot of uh, stereotypes and a lot of, you know, a lot of information that they may not have known. So, I think people will enjoy it. The stories on there are very, very good. Um, and really, the pacing of it's really great. And like I said, an hour is really worth it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you again, yeah. Mark. We appreciate it. We definitely would love to have you on again sometime. Oh, definitely. Hopefully when, uh, when everything gets back to normal. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Take care.